She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Now, Stacy Washington. Beto. 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 Beto mania. Beto mania. Beto mania. I'm actually not counting out Beto. He wants to win and should. Texas might be feeling the Beto momentum. Beto O'Rourke, one of the all-stars, one of the best stories. A rising Democratic star. Beto O'Rourke has caught fire. Oh. You're a rock star. No, no, there's just so no, many great really people. Are. You're this, you know, rock star celebrity guy. Woke skateboarder, Beto O'Rourke. It is almost inevitable that Texas ultimately turns blue. And the Democrats are pumped. You know, he, he just kind of has this, this it factor. Crowds and energy growing, you can look at it right there. He cannot compete with the energy level that Beto O'Rourke has created. His plans were being smoking hot in a naughty but approachable sort of way. Beto and, and, and Gillum may be the two best Democratic candidates running this cycle. It's difficult to square the energy we see at these events with the polls that show him down five, six, seven, eight points. We have a big call. This is out of Texas. NBC News is projecting Ted Cruz will return to the Senate. Lindsey Graham, if you killed Ted Cruz on the floor of the Senate, nobody would convict you. How bad are you going to feel if you lose to that guy? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess he feels pretty badly. <laughs> yeah, I guess he he says he doesn't feel bad, um, but I I think he probably does. And but this was all a vehicle for him to get national name ID, and he was abetted in that effort by all of the voices that you heard from late night television and te- cable news and everyone else because Beto O'Rourke is their next Obama. They have not looked across their field and found someone. Uh, from amongst their bench, like Kamala Harris, she's not good. She's not good for them on the national scene because she's there's so much video of her being really rude to people. And I don't mean in a way that you're like, oh, you know, woo, mic drop. I mean, it's that kind of annoying, needling, you know, I'm I'm going to speak to you like you're a hostile witness, even though the person's testifying before the Senate and is there for a confirmation hearing and she treats them worse than she treated people she was prosecuting for major crimes. And also Cory Booker, who is a practicing homosexual and took the time out of a Senate confirmation hearing to ask someone if they found homosexual sex to be objectionable. He actually asked them questions about homosexual sex that it was just so disgusting and so demeaning and so outside of the norm he is not someone who is mainstream enough to be the president of the United States. Not this decade. You know, the liberals are moving the mark. They're, they're indoctrinating the kids on the homosexual sex. They're teaching everybody these, these things about sexuality and gender. And they, they've really got a stranglehold on our youth, which is only our fault because we leave our kids in these schools where they're teaching these horrible things. And at some point they will be able to literally have a litmus test. Do you find homosexual sex objectionable? And if you say, yes, I do, they'll say, well, then you can't be confirmed to work in this government because that's not something we permit here. That's where they want to go. But he's not mainstream right now. Elizabeth Warren kind of knocked herself out of the running with her whole, I'm going to prove I'm, a, I'm, I'm an American Indian thing. And the release of that, that blood test really, it it demonstrated to most Americans that she does not have a good grip on reality and about what voters care about. 
No one cares what her ethnic background is. The fact that she's been mocked about it and she can't let it go is her own personal private problem. It's not a voter problem. So that leaves Beto O'Rourke. He has the same kind of charisma that Barack Obama had. He has a bad boy background where he was in a band and he used to ride a skateboard and he's had a drunk driving conviction. And so, you know, he's a little bad boy, a little bit rock and roll. And Democrats love that kind of thing. He's someone who can go on late night TV and slow jam the news and he can have pictures of himself taking selfies and dropping the mic and speaking to himself in the mirror. And he's just that guy that Democrats can get behind, not because he's got great policies, not because he has wonderful ideas, but because he's one who will evolve on social issues. He'll evolve on things like plural marriage and, you know, uh, you know, sex between adults and small children and things like that. And, and why am I saying that? Because that's where the sex is everything. Sex is freedom. You can't say anything about my morals. Agenda is going. That's where it's going. You got NAMBLA and all of these really horrible organizations seeing the success that's been had in other types of normalization of sexual behavior. And they want that for their, their, their thing too. And when I said that it would be a lot of people advocating for LGBT and transgenderism when homosexual marriage was something that everyone was fighting for. Oh, you're just, you're a fear monger. You just hate gay people. I don't. You just, you just want to make people look bad. I don't. But what do we see now? We see the people who want to marry more than one person stepping up and saying, yeah, you know, why, if, if it's not wrong for two men or two women to marry, why can't I love two people? Why? So that, that's where all of this is going. And Beto O'Rourke is the perfect vehicle for that. He's someone that people will listen to and look at, but not hear anything that he says. People won't care on the left what he does. They'll just be looking at how cool he looks in a suit, how often he goes on late night television, the cult of personality. We need policy. We need serious people in government. He's not one of them, but this was a great election for him because he didn't have to win. He only had to get national name ID. So let's go back to the phones. We have uh, a caller about the tax returns. Uh, Thank you for calling the show today. What's your name? Hey, Stacey. Yeah, my name is Daryl. I'm calling you from Mississippi. Okay. Um, I, am a, I am a Christian. I'm a United States Marine Corps combat veteran, and I'm also a Democrat. Been one my whole life. And that does not mean I support Democrats all the time, because I always look at the person rather than the party. And I've, I've voted for quite a few Republicans in my time. And as a matter of fact, in 2016, I wasn't for Hillary or Bernary. Uh, my, my choice for, for president would have been John Kasich, had he, had he won the Republican nomination. Uh, however, I did want to say something. I never have a lot of talk because being a combat veteran, when he said what he said about John McCain, that absolutely swore it for me. I've never supported the man since. He's never apologized. But here's the thing on the tax returns. Well, you okay, don't like me either then because I'm no, I'm no fan of John McCain. So, you know, just, just full disclosure. But go on. And thank you for your service. Okay. Here's the deal, here's the deal with the tax returns. And, well, look, I don't agree with the man, but as a, as a veteran, I respect his sacrifice for this nation. Okay, so that that's where that's where it was for me. I don't have to agree with the man to respect what he did for this country. Okay, the thing with the tax returns is Republicans have been claiming all along there's nothing there. Trump didn't get any money from Russia. You know, okay, if that's the case, then you and every other Republican should be all behind the Democrats, not only getting a hold of those tax returns, but releasing them. Because if Trump didn't do anything wrong, if he doesn't have any Russian money behind him, if he didn't have them Russian oligarchs, uh, 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 investing in his businesses over the last 10 or 20 years, 
You know, if he's given all the charities he said he's given to, then his tax returns will reflect that. And then every Republican stand up and say, hey, look, I told you so. But y'all, but, but yet I, had, I don't hear the Republican saying, yeah, okay, when the, when, when the Democrats get in there and they get the tax returns, they can go ahead and release them, and we can see that Donald Trump is just a straight-up forthright guy. So are you in favor of Trump's tax returns no. being released? Because, no. Because you're saying that he didn't do anything. Well, no, you know, I didn't say that. You know I, nope. No. You know for a fact he's done something wrong. <laughs> no, you know that's not it at all. There's dirty money behind him. Nope. There's not, that's not it at all. In fact, I think it's just the opposite. But this, Daryl, is not about what I think. Uh, it's about the right of the president of the United States. He's filled out the 100-plus page financial disclosure, which tells a lot more about your financial picture than the simple tax return. And if he doesn't want to disclose it because he's currently still, after all this time, under audit, then that's his right. Um, it, it has nothing to do with me thinking he's guilty. I don't think he has anything to hide, but I think he has every right to say he doesn't want to release his tax returns. And, uh, you know, you said you were a moderate and that you voted for Republicans before. But in your argument, you made it pretty clear where you stand. You don't like President Trump and you want to bring him down. And you think he's been placed in our government by these all powerful Russian oligarchs, which is comical because you probably also think that. There's some magical white man in the sky who's in control of all the black people, too. And he's like got a little puppet strings and he's moving my shoulders right now. And now he's going to tell me to laugh. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in charge of everyone. This magical old white man. And he's in control of everybody in the Republican Party. And so, um, no, I, I, I don't care what his tax returns show. You know why? Because you don't care what Hillary Clinton's Clinton Foundation reports show. You don't care what... Uh, many, many Democrats on the left, people who have literally done wrong things, received money, misappropriated funds. You don't care about that. When you start to care about the application of the law equally for every American, then I will begin to care as well. But until then, um, yeah, I'm over here. I don't care. I don't care what his tax returns show because he gave the 100 page financial disclosure. And that is something that um, is much more comprehensive, and it is what he preferred to give, and therefore, I'm fine with it. Yeah, and so if you think, you know, he paid me to do that, well, I get paid to do a lot of different independent contractor arrangement type jobs, but I don't get paid to have these opinions. Um, they're my own. And as I said, thank you for your service. I always respect people who've given their time to this country. I'm a fourth-generation military vet myself, so, you know, good on you. And um, I do respect John McCain's service to this country, but being a veteran does not lift you above reproach and prevent Americans from criticizing your behavior. Being a veteran does not make you immune to criticism, nor does being in law enforcement, nor does being the president or an elected member or an honorable such and so this or that or a, a justice on the Supreme Court or an appellate court. No one is above criticism. And so therefore, without, I don't care what anyone else's opinion is. I don't care if it upsets you that I've criticized John McCain. His service to our country, notwithstanding, I disagreed with him vehemently on a number of issues. And I felt some of his conduct was below the standard. But yes, he performed a great service for this country. He also is not immune to criticism. So let's listen to, I, I, I'm kind of, a little in shock mode about we, we heard it coming in. We can't believe it's not Beto and this whole this whole cult of personality with Beto O'Rourke. But 
this morning, Kellyanne Conway was up early doing some of the shows, talking about the midterms and how President Trump made history again. And I thought she made some good points that can kind of uh, get us where we want to go. And also, I, I forgot to tell you who's on the, the program this hour. We have Tabitha Bingham. She's the director of communications for the Florida Federation of Young Republicans. We also have Chad Groening, who is from OneNewsNow.com and the news division here at American Family Association and American Family Radio. He'll be on with us in the third segment. We'll take your calls throughout 866-963-2037. Let's listen to Kellyanne Conway break down what actually happened last night in her opinion in number two. The president had many phone calls and he, including with Nancy Pelosi, who somehow on the phone didn't mention investigations and subpoenas, didn't mention that in her comments last night. And uh, who knows who the Democrats will choose as their leaders in the House, because even though they've won a few seats here and there, this president has made history yet again last night. You know, in the last 80 years, the party in power has only picked up eight Senate seats. And last night, the president, through his leadership and his engagement on the ground for these candidates again and again, uh, has produced at least three new Senate seats. So eight over the last 80 years, three, possibly five, as the as the count still goes on. Uh, that's truly historic. Also, I just think that the president has put everybody in a great position to talk about this historic economy. And there are a number of candidates who seemed allergic to the president on the Republican side. They didn't want him to campaign for them. They lost last night. You had people like Claire McCaskill pretending that she works with the president, saying, I'm not, quote, one of those crazy Democrats. Mm-hmm. She also this morning is not even one of those elected Democrats. Mm. Um. So there, there's there's a lot to unpack for the midterm. And I think, you know, anyone who's acting surprised that there are going to be staff shakeups and people leaving hasn't been paying attention. And she went on a little bit further to describe some more of what we can expect and, you know, the, the, the details about what this really was last night, because there's been a lot of mischaracterization and and non-information peddled. Oh, I hear music. OK, guess what? We'll listen to that clip in the third segment coming in. We have Tabitha Bingham, Director of Communications for the Florida Federation of Young Republicans. She'll be with us up next, right after these messages. Stay there. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. You know, the popularity of our spiritual heritage tours each year continues to grow. Those are our tours to Washington, D.C., Mount Vernon, Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. Those are two separate trips, but uh, a lot of folks go on both of them. But the popularity continues to grow, and we sell out two or three months in advance every year. So we're letting you know when our June and September tours are. Just go to our website, spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com. There's two tours. There's one to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown, and then there's a separate trip, but they're back-to-back to to Washington, D.C. and to George Washington's Mount Vernon. So if you want to go on those tours with us, just go to the website, spiritualheritagetours.com, 
spiritualheritagetours.com and check out all the info. Hello, this is Bishop Harry Jackson of Hope Christian Church in Beltville, Maryland. Jesus said you would do greater works than he did. God says, hey, if you do my will, I'm not only going to back you in ways you have never seen, I'm going to protect, I'm going to provide, and I'm going to be with you. Start small, but dream big. What's dreaming big? Dreaming big is knowing that God is going to use you, hoping against hope, not settling that I got to do the status quo and do what everybody else did in order to get this little bit that I want. I'm just one of the little people. I'm a nobody. All the big people today were nobodies at one point. Everybody that's famous now came through that, 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 that terrible tunnel of anonymity, of being looked over, passed over, refused, underfunded, left behind, rejected, dejected, subjected to whatever others wanted to put on them. But sometime, Psalm 66 says of God, I have allowed men to ride over your heads, but I brought you out into a wealthy place. God wants to bring you out, me out, as we start small and dream big, we're faithful and we walk in his anointing. We let God dream his dream through us. We operate in teamwork to the glory of his name. We let our little ego take a lower place to his glory. And God, bam, shows up and does something that we can't do. Join us this Sunday morning at 6251 Avondale Road in Beltsville or on the web at thehopeconnection.org. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the show. Um, I also want to give a huge shout out to the people of KSDK, our local television, uh, one of our local television networks. Last night, one of their anchors, Christina, had a group of us, six Democrats, four Republicans and one independent on for a very heated and lively discussion. We had a couple of very long Facebook segments, Facebook Live segments, and then we had some uh, pretty quick hits, like a minute and some seconds uh, really quick hits that we did on live television last night, giving our reaction to uh, the midterm results, which for us here in the state of Missouri, the big deal is that we no longer have Claire McCaskill. And I really, I honestly, I'm, I'm so grateful to God for that answered prayer. I, I wish I could fully articulate it. I've talked about her on the show a lot. We've invited her onto the program. I have actually, I've given up on it, but I used to uh, email her um, to try to get her to, to just explain some of the things that she was doing. And that was before I was in media. So it wasn't like I was emailing her as a media person. That was when I was just a simple constituent, you know, volunteering in our kids' school district. And I wanted to know why she was doing certain things. And she just wasn't responsive to me. And it's not about me. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing if she doesn't respond to me, but I can tell you how many people I've met who've told me, you know, I've emailed Claire McCaskill or I've stopped by her office and they just don't get anything back from her and her allegiance to the pro-abortion industries in this country and her refusal to hear from people who disagree with her was just so strident. Uh, get, getting a new person in there who more accurately and closely reflects the, the voting patterns of the people of the state of Missouri is a true 
victory for us. And I, I truly believe that Josh Hawley will do a better job than she has done, but I also plan to hold him accountable. And, and I hope to have him on the program periodically when it's appropriate uh, to discuss what he's doing on behalf of the state of Missouri. But this is a closely watched race. A lot of money got poured in from outside the state and he beat her handily. And so it is a day to rejoice over seeing Claire McCaskill end her reign over the people of Missouri here in the Senate. So Right now, I'd like to welcome Tabitha Bingham, Director of Communications for the Florida Federation of Young Republicans. Tabitha, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about this. We had this kind of mixed result last night, but the president has characterized it as an almost total victory because he plans to work with the Democrats to get some horse trading done and still implement his agenda. And he's not afraid of their investigations. He says he's going to bring some of his own if they decide to go down that path. What do you think about what happened last night? So the Democrats were hoping for a big wave, which did not happen. It was a red wave on the Senate side. We gained Joe Donnelly's, Heidi Heikamp, Claire Mikowski, mm-hmm. and Bill Nelson's seat. This was, I believe, the Kavanaugh effect. All mm-hmm. those Democrats who voted no against Justice Brett Kavanaugh lost their jobs last night. I believe uh, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia held his seat because he voted yes for Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Even though losing the House is a setback for Republicans, the average president was his 37 seats in his first term. Obama lost 63, Clinton lost 53, and Trump lost 26. Advancing the Senate by five seats is historic and shows the movement is stronger than ever. I believe having Congress, having Congress divided means President Trump's plans for new tax cuts, tougher immigration legislation, and changes to the Affordable Care Act will be blocked. Like you said, the leaders from both sides will pr- pursue vastly different agendas on Capitol Hill. The Democrats in the House vowed to launch investigations into Trump's business dealings and the transparency of his administration. The Republicans in the Senate will continue to install more of Trump's nominees to the federal judiciary and defend Trump- President Trump on his policies. You know, so excellent breakdown. Um, I, I said some something similar about the numbers there that you quoted um, during the first hour of the show. And I, I think it bears repeating. We can't say it enough because most Americans are thinking that there possibly there was some sort of a wave. It might not have been as large as, you know, as was hoped unless they listened to Jake Tapper. There were only a couple of leftist media outlets that actually told the truth that the wave had dissipated and it wasn't a wave uh, because a ton of the seats that they flipped were in play because of retirements, uh, a ton of the seats that they kept and were able to, you know, gain were seats that they were expected to win anyway. They weren't uh, Republican strongholds. They were able to make some inroads into the suburbs with women, which I think might be kind of a backlash to the Kavanaugh effect, which is unfortunate because that's a lot of misinformation. So what do you see the president doing going forward when he says he's happy that Nancy Pelosi will possibly be the one to take the gavel back? How do you think he's going to work with her? How's he going to do that? I think that he is going to just get everyone in the House on his side. And I think that he is going to just try his hardest to get Nancy, the Speaker of the House, because she isn't as radical or as corrupt as some of the other members of the House. So I think that he would really need to get her um, as the Speaker of the House just so he can try to be, try to push through with bipartisan, bipartisan um, legislation. 
So I, one of the things that I, I, I see people kind of talking about a little bit is the fact that we had such a record number of what I call defections, but there are retirements in the House. And people were retiring left and right because they either didn't like the Trump agenda or they realized that the Trump agenda was much more conservative than they were and they wouldn't be able to run on it. Or they just didn't want to be a part of the Trump phenomenon. They didn't want to serve in the House while President Trump was the leader of the party. And so they left. Do you think even though we lost the House, it's a net benefit for us because we have a much more closely aligned group that's left behind after all of that? I think that this is just going to show that we advancing the Senate by five seats is historic. And this shows that the movement is stronger than ever. I think this is just going to advance us to get out in 2020 to regain the House. I think this is just going to give us more momentum to try to get out there and regain the House. And um, I'm glad that those people that weren't aligned with Trump decided to retire because, you know, their constituents know that, you know, they're not they're tough critics of Trump. And, you know, this is Trump era. You have to either get on board or you're going to lose. You know, we seen it. We saw it yesterday. So. So what do you have planned um, for the Federation of Young Republicans down in Florida? What are your plans going forward? Because I saw someone post the reelection campaign for 2020 begins now, which is kind of exhausting. You know, I, I was thinking, can't we wait until after the holidays before we begin that? But, you know, technically it does actually begin now. What are you guys going to be working on? We're going to be trying to rally up a lot of college students this year. On my campus, we've added 86 new members. Um, we signed up 86 and recruited 86 new members. Um, I noticed um, on my campus that they tried to get a lot of liberal-leaning um, college students to register to vote. They made our um, university a polling, um, a polling place. Mm. Um, so I really just want to rally up the college kids and show that, you know, we, the GOP is not the same as it used to be. It's, it's Trump era. You know, we want to rally young voters that the Republican party is really missing. Um, so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to campaign for, um, locally and statewide. And, um, we're trying to get as many people as possible on board. I'm really excited about the work that you guys are doing across the country with your chapters. And I think Florida is important for you guys to be seeding the ground for young people to, to let them know that it's okay to be a Republican if they, if they believe in limited government and lower taxes and things like that, that it's not only okay, but that they have a place that they can call home and kind of be politically active while c- pursuing their studies and, and, you know, preparing for their, their foray into adulthood And the work that you're doing is super important because a lot of college campuses are not friendly to Republican thought right now. Do you see any of that happening on your campus where people are kind of having their views suppressed? I I do, especially in the classroom. I I am fortunate enough to not have. I have a lot of people that come up to me and say, I'm really proud of what you're doing throughout the community. I'm really glad that you are able to have your voice. Um, I know people in my chapter that have been oppressed, um, that they got death threats for voicing their opinions and, you know, teachers giving them bad grades because they wore a Trump hat. Um, So it's definitely, there's definitely propaganda and bias in, on college campuses. 
And I'm so glad that we have a place that we can come all together and rally against. And, you know, we can all have discussions and we have like-minded individuals that believe in the same, same things we do. Um, and about the Senate or about the midterm elections in Florida, I do want to, um, I am truly thrilled that Florida, Floridians did reject socialism. I want to congratulate Governor DeSantis and mm. Governor Rick or and Senator Rick Scott for running a hard, for running a truly grassroots campaign. And I just want to say that um, we will build on the prosperity and growth that makes Florida strong and we will make Washington work for us. Mm. I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And so I w- want to say thanks, Tabitha. Tabitha Bingham, Director of Communications for Florida's Federation of Young Republicans. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And you really did have a great night last night uh, for the state of Florida. The rejection of Gillum's socialist politics was we I was literally biting my nails in the, uh, the we, we were at a we, restaurant last we, night. You we were too down <laughs> yeah. here. It was just because at one point the Democrats on the panel that I was sitting on during a downtime where we weren't filming, they erupted and they were like, Gillum's going to win. And we've got Stacey Abrams. And I was sitting on the, you know, because they had us divided off by party. So I was sitting with the Republican women and we all looked at each other and I thought, not Florida, not my second home, because I come to Florida twice a year with my family to go to the beach. And I was like, how how could this be? And then later, as the night progressed, they never corrected that statement. But I saw it up on the the, I was like, wait, DeSantis is ahead. What? Wait, what do they mean? Rick Scott? He's what? Gillum's not what? So I was I was literally like, just trying to gallop and keep up. And I woke up this morning and I felt like, you know, I felt like Florida dodged a bullet. I really did. We did. You know, we we will not have socialism in the state of Florida, and hopefully we never will. Um, I just hope that we can continue on being a prosperous and free state that we are. So I am, I'm really thrilled that Florida, we won in 2016, and we're, we're continued on, and we're still going to make Florida great. So <laughs> I'm truly excited and optimistic. Well, fantastic work. Uh, you, you guys probably deserve uh, a little bit of time off, maybe some rest and relaxation this weekend before you get gunning for the next big contest. Uh, Tabitha Bingham, Director of Communications for Florida's Federation of Young Republicans. Thank you for joining the show today. Thank you so much. All right. It's good to talk to you. Um, I'm, I'm excited um, about the, the developments in Florida. I really thought to myself, how can Florida have changed that much from People moving from California to Florida, people moving from New York to Florida. Um, could they really have moved there and changed the state that much, that quickly? And why would they be voting for socialist policies when they ran from them in New York? They ran from the policies in California that were driving up the cost of business, driving up their property taxes, driving up the cost of living. Why would they want to do the same thing in Florida? You know, Florida has a really great economic outlook. And, you know, you couple that with the tourism, it's actually a pretty diverse state. You look at it and you say, you know, it's it's kind of the best of all of the worlds with the weather and everything. Of course, you got the tornado or the uh, hurricanes, but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, so I was really I was concerned. But good news is they chose, in my opinion, correctly. So uh, right now I want to go to Kellyanne Conway's the remainder of her comments from last segment that we were talking about. I just want to get those out of the way. Um, and then talk a little bit more about the analysis here. I have uh, some uh, information for you on both sides of the abortion debate calling last night a victory and what that looks like for us. And we'll just wrap that up during this segment as well. It's number three. 
without the president's engagement on the ground, 53 rallies since he took office, 30 just in the last two months since Labor Day, a, an intensive six-day swing leading up to Election Day, all the time being president at the same time, with historic yep. gains that last day alone, the three people he went and campaigned for, Mike DeWine for governor of Ohio, Mike Braun, senator now from Indiana, Josh Hawley in Missouri, huge pickups, particularly in those two Senate seats, those flipped from Democrat to Republican, yep. on the strength of the president showing up to packed houses, historic rallies, and overflow crowds. There's just, no, there's just no substitute for his engagement. And, I, you know, I know there were some races where they said, you know, the president didn't help. But for the most part, his engagement on the, uh, the on the ground for candidates was very beneficial. I know here in the state of Missouri, I'm telling you, it, it I just they probably should have had the camera on the whole time because they had a television on with no sound. So we could see the returns coming in. And we had some snafus with some of the machines here in Missouri. And so there were three counties through sorry three precincts that were staying open late so in other words our polls in missouri all close at seven and these precincts were going to stay open until nine thirty, so that people who didn't get a chance to vote could because of the problem with the machines now i'm a paper voter i i believe in voting on the on the paper you know you fill in you color in your circles like the old scan the scantrons of old and that's that's what you do but in these precincts, they had to stay open later. So that meant the returns couldn't come in. And the Secretary of State was keeping the results for the local races. So anything in the state only, he was keeping those back because he didn't want to have all the precincts reporting except those three. Well, we were still getting reporting from the ground, um, actual real-time reporting on the race with Josh Hawley. And boy, was it something to watch because... Uh, there was a brief moment where Claire McCaskill and he were in a dead heat, but for the most part, he was ahead of her. And as the night continued, he just pulled further and further out. And I thought he would beat her by maybe four points. I, I thought it was sure it would be four points or more. He beat her by it was 10 points. That is a referendum if I've ever heard of one. And so uh, I look forward to uh, hearing more from him on that. When we get back, we'll take your calls and we'll be speaking with Chad Groening of onenewsnow.com. It's 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Stay right there. Just a minute with Stacey Washington. A caravan of 3,000 migrants in Honduras plans to travel north to cross our southern border. This alarming development prompted President Donald Trump to threaten to deploy U.S. troops. Predictably, the New York Times has written a piece entitled, What is the Caravan and Why Does Trump Care? Because 3,000 people surging across our border is an invasion. Liberals often point to Deuteronomy 10:19, a Bible verse about being kind to foreigners. But the Bible differentiates between a sojourner, a legal immigrant, and a foreigner or an illegal immigrant. One has rights and privileges the lawbreaker does not have. Specifically, Romans 13:4 says, "For government is a minister to God to you for good." 
But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Let's be careful to interpret scripture correctly as God never sanctions lawbreaking. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Oh, what, what's that song we used to sing? Um, oh, Amazing Grace was one of them where, where we sang, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. You know, they took the word wretch out. Many people took the word wretch out. They said, that, you know, don't, don't say that. that. That's offensive. But without Jesus, you are a wretch. Don't miss Bishop E.W. Jackson and The Awakening. Weekday mornings at 9 Central on Urban Family Talk. Chris Brooks. We cannot underestimate the responsibility of evangelism. That is why shows like this, Equipped, which is committed to equipping you every day to live, share, and defend your faith, are extremely important because anyone who does not confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is outside of God's saving grace. Equipped, weekdays at noon central on Urban Family Talk. Stacy Washington. And so to this day, I don't even, I don't eat green beans. If they bring me a plate of food at a restaurant and they've substituted green beans for some other vegetable because the other vegetable is out of season, I will make them bring me a saucer and remove the green beans from my plate and take them off of the table because I cannot abide green beans. And so Chuck Schumer and the Democrats have to sit down to the table and it's loaded up high with green beans and they have to stay there until they've eaten them all. That's the table they set. They boiled the green beans, they picked them, they snapped them, they put them into the steamer, they've cooked them, they seasoned them with salt and pepper, and now they're on the table with a little side of butter, and that's all they're getting, and they're going to have to eat these until they win. Stacy on the Right, weekday afternoons at 2 Central on Urban Family Talk. Watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. So I'm over here laughing a little bit because um, y'all know that the, these developments mean Rosenstein because he's on his way out too. You know, so if, if, if you're sitting in the audience and you're thinking, ah, what's going to happen? Well, Sessions has resigned at the suggestion of the president. It was we knew it was coming. No shock, no awe. We also know, come on now, work with me here. We know that Rosenstein is going to go as well. And that means he won't be overseeing the Mueller probe. And remember, he's one who is not as friendly towards the president, but he's had to learn. You gonna learn how to like your boss because he's had to learn over these past few weeks. Remember when this whole 25th Amendment, and, and I'll record him, whether it was said in sarcasm or if, if he was serious, when that came out, the first thing Rod Rosenstein said, he was on the record as saying, I will resign provided the president does not publicly humiliate me with his, with his comments. So he's very concerned about the president saying things about him and vilifying him in the way that the president has, has treated Jeff Sessions. And I've been, you know, it's, it's not been my favorite thing with the president, his uh, behavior towards Jeff Sessions. I think it's it's it could have been handled better. Um, and and it, it's definitely not something that I would like to see. Like if you're if you're having trouble with an employee, whether it's government or anything else, 
publicly having the spat instead of dealing with it privately is is just not that's not my way. I don't think that's the way uh, that's effective. But I'm also not the president. I haven't, uh, you know, I, I haven't to say in how that all goes on. But I think Jeff Sessions made the right decision in leaving because the relationship between he and his boss had deteriorated to a point where he was no longer going to be able to discharge his duties. And I am someone who has written extensively about Jeff Sessions' work uh, in increasing gun prosecutions. And so for people who are constantly whining about gun control, what we actually have is an extensive network of laws on the books that, when properly enforced, deter criminals from illegally obtaining firearms. But when we give people hand smacks and wrist smacks for straw purchasing guns for criminals, that encourages more of that behavior. And Jeff Sessions increased criminal prosecution of straw purchases and illegal uh, possession of firearms by 33% in the first 12 months that he was the AG. Since then, the number has gone up from there. That is the kind of good work from the Department of Justice that we need to see more of as American taxpayers and individuals who want to see criminals prosecuted. So I think that uh, Jeff Sessions deserves huge, you know, it's applause and it's gratitude for his work in the Department of Justice in increasing gun prosecutions and for cracking down on sex trafficking and, uh, you know, pornography. I, I mean, just it, it, it he's been good. Um, but his recusal from the oversight of the Mueller investigation without first discussing it with the president seems to have been a fatal error that he could not recover from. And that's why we're seeing him resign at this point. I sincerely hope to see someone that we like put in that position, someone that we can all agree is trustworthy and uh, can can duly discharge those duties for the remainder of the president's first term. We don't know. We don't know who to, you know, to, I, I've seen some word on the street. I'm not going to even venture off into those kinds of speculations, but certainly um, th- we saw this coming. And so Rosenstein will be next. We'll see if this happens at the end of the week. Uh, what, what is today? Wednesday? It's hump day. I don't know what day it is. I was up so late last night with that election panel and then getting home. And I was like all hopped up on Mountain Dew, ready to scissor kick people in the back of the neck. And so I stayed up and I was just like a kid who gets hopped up and can't go to bed. And when I finally went to sleep, the last thing I thought was, you going to pay tomorrow. And I have been. I've been paying all day for the fact that I stayed up too late last night. You know, these aren't these aren't the wonder years for me anymore. I'm a mom with teenagers. I have to get my sleep. I, somebody should have called me up or texted me and said, what do you think you're doing? Stop it. Get in your bed. But no. Mm-mm. So um, everybody else at home was asleep and I was still up like checking returns and like, you know, it was literally like I was hopped up on Mountain Dew. I don't actually drink Mountain Dew. If you get that reference, if you know what movie I'm talking about when I say that. <laughs> So you get a good laugh there. Um, We are going to go now to Chad Groening, who is one of my favorites. And I have a lot of favorites over at the news news division of American Family Radio. And Chad is one of them. He does fantastic reporting and he's interviewed me a ton of times. Um, But now I want to get his take on the election. Chad, thank you for joining today. It is a great honor to be on Stacy on the right. I mean, (laughs) talk about about you're one of my favorite people, too, you know. Well, I mean, it's, I, uh, thank you. I, I always, that. I always put you on the top of the list of interview possibilities, uh, you know, and uh, I'm always gl- glad when you uh, come on and talk to me and when we get you on onenewsnow.com and American Family News. Yeah, I love coming on because that's like, so, so I've said this before when uh, Fred Jackson came on during Sherathon that you, you guys go the extra mile to get the reporting. 
and you put the entire story there. So the stuff that's left off of the AP Newswire, you go get all of that and you put that in. And I really appreciate it because there's not a lot of sources you can go to to get that kind of great news. Um, and we are we have that as a part of what we do here at American Family Radio. That's like, it's huge. It's a, it's a really big deal. Um, so, Chad, what did you think about last night? I know it was a mixed bag, but how yeah, do you see things yeah. going today? Well, I was, as your previous guest was alluding to and what you were discussing, I think that uh, part of the problem with the House was there were just too many people who retired. And uh, as you mentioned, some of them probably were better off to be retired, but unfortunately, the people who replaced them, the Republicans who replaced them, were not able to uh, get the job done as far as getting elected and holding on to those seats. And uh, mm-hmm. the good thing is, is also the fact that this is an historical precedence, which has obviously been uh, repeated, but it wasn't as bad uh, as it could have been in the House. And certainly, if you look at what the losses that Barack Obama had in his first midterm after becoming president, uh, far, far worse as far as Republicans uh, beating his party. So that's a good thing. And, of course, <laughs> even better is the fact that the Republicans really, really did well in the Senate and, and for the most part, in, in the other races, the governor's races. Uh, as you, you and your guests were talking about, the Florida, was that was huge, Stacey, mm-hmm. huge. I mean, it, I was talking to people, and it looked like, good grief, we were going to have this fine Congressman Ron DeSantis go down and lose to, the, to this socialist, uh, mm-hmm. crazy guy who— wants to raise taxes on, on, on everybody and, mm-hmm. you know, is being under investigation. And, and, and then, of course, the other, perhaps even better, is the fact that, that Governor Rick Scott is now going to be Senator Rick Scott. Mm. And uh, Senator Bill Nelson is going to go back home to Florida and retire. Uh, so <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing, you know. so that's great. And, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, and you talk about Texas, huge, a victory there. Ohio, Mike DeWine winning. Missouri, of course. I used to live in Missouri also, Stacy, as you probably know. Yeah. And uh, Josh Hawley beating <laughs> Claire McCaskill. You know, Indiana, you know, fortunately, Joe Donnelly wasn't able to use his uh, third party guy to, to help him uh, steal that election. <laughs> and in and, and, and the Georgia governor's race, of course, that's still kind of, you know, being challenged. But those places, you know, and there were some disappointments, too. You know, the, the Kansas governor's race, um, you know, didn't go quite well for the for the Republican, Mr. Kobach, and uh, Wisconsin, unfortunately, uh, you know, oh my goodness. Governor yeah. Walker, uh, you know, they've been going after him and going after him and going after him, Stacey, and they, they, they finally got him. That's, that's I just, a, I hate it. I hate it so bad, because if, if there's anybody who has held a governorship who has really been treated unfairly and still towed the line and really benefited the people of his state with no credit, no one to say thank you, it's Scott Walker. And he's really one of those quiet, reserved men who just does a good job and doesn't expect much back for it. And I, I, I feel like he's too good for the people of Wisconsin. Like, they're going to get what they deserve now. And they they fought for it for I don't know how many years now. And now they're going to get the full recompense. You know how in the Bible where God, the, the Israelites would be begging for a king. And he's like, OK, if you if you insist and they have a king would just rule over them and it'd be horrible. I think that's what's about to happen to them. They're They're going to get it. And. They kind of deserve it because they they have someone good and they just threw him away. Yeah, well, it, it is, a, of course, uh, it, it's kind of really, I guess, hard to believe that in light of all the things that Mr. Trump has done, you know, with the economy, with national defense, he's, he's got, you know, Iran on the run. He's, you know, the dealing with North Korea. And yet the, 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 so many people decided they wanted to go the other direction, particularly in the House. And it just, mm-hmm. you know, it just boggles the mind. But you got to remember that 
a lot of the people in this country don't have the same uh, worldview that uh, that you and I have, Stacy, and and that's yeah. the problem. No, and and it's when you say worldview, really, that's the that's the period at the end of the sentence. You're either you have a biblical worldview or you don't, and if you don't have one you have a susceptibility to receiving lies and it, it just, it goes straight in. It's like, you know, when you take a sponge and you, and it's dry and it's as hard as a rock and you drop it into some liquid and it just sucks all the liquid up. That's the same impact when people don't have a biblical worldview and they're not reading the scripture so that they can become wise. You literally have a brain that's like a hard sponge. And when lies get poured into it, you just soak them right up. You receive them without any pushback. And then once you've received them, you become immune to the truth. It bounces off you like something that's been sprayed with that. Um, what's that stuff? That tire wet that you spray on a tire. And then after that, anything, anything wet that touches it, it just beads right off. It's like that. Your brain's like that. It can't receive the truth. It just it just can't go in. And I, I'm saying this because I keep talking to Democrats, Chad. And if they say something like, you know, in anything, and if I say, oh, well, you know, the government uh, reports that, you know, so many of those people have done X. Well, I don't believe the government statistics. And then the next minute they'll say, well, only the government can decide who, yeah. who deserves a gun. And you're yeah. like, wait, but you just said you don't believe the government. But now you say that, well, you, you, the government should believe, the government decides who gets a gun. But you also believe that the government practices police brutality through mm-hmm. law enforcement. How can you believe all three of those things at the same time? And they're like, well, you're just you're just a token. Then they start insulting you. So this is a real thing that is going on in this country. The misinformation, it's being poured down people's throats. They're receiving it because they can't see the truth. They can't hear it because they, they refuse to have a biblical worldview. What do you what do you think is going to, to happen as we get further and further into this? I I feel Obviously, I trust God. I don't feel fear in a way that I'm I'm terrified, but I, I feel a sense of foreboding that the more of our children we leave in public school and the more of these people are brought up this way, that they will be completely unable to learn new things that are true because they're just, they're brainwashed. Yeah. And of course, uh, we all know that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. And we know that, you know, the end times prophecy tells us that. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm very much concerned about about that as well. And and I, I am encouraged that, um, that that there seems to be, though, uh, a, a lot more people who are who are getting it. And uh, as, as you've probably told your audience, you know, the look at the black population and, and how much better off the, the black population is. And some some of them are getting it and some of these others. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it isn't just a monolithic. Oh, you know, I'm. You know, I believe this, you know, I'm supposed to to hate Republicans and I'm supposed to always love Democrats and Democrats are always right. And, and I think that and it's, and it's not just among the black population, but it's but I think it's just it makes common sense and everything. But I, I but at the same time, we, we do know that, uh, unfortunately, we're going to be stuck with the Chucky Schumer's and with uh, Nancy Pelosi's and, and they're kind of really until <laughs> until the Lord t- takes us home. And uh, and that's what we're going to have to deal with. Well, you know, um, that's kind of a depressing thought, but God. So we, we know that even in times of, of uh, you know, the, the lean times, that God is in control and we can still experience joy and, you know, receive the, the blessings that he has for us, even in those lean times and even in times where, you know, politically it's a little on the hopeless side. I do have just a sense that when I was listening to the president speak earlier today about his prospects with Nancy Pelosi, 
that he has a strategy for dealing with her and for dealing with a divided government. And I, I kind of feel like when I heard him in Colombia, when he was speaking, he it's like he knew the House was gone, but he was very, very confident that he could do good things in the Senate. And so if that's true, um, then clearly he's he's got a lot going for him. And did you hear him, Chad, today when he when the reporter asked, what does God have to do with your life or something like that? And he said, God has very much to do with my life. He's a he's a huge part of my life and also a vice president. Pence. I thought that was pretty stunning. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you got to remember, too, that, uh, our, you know, if our president blesses, you know, our, you know, is he, you know, first of all, he's a blessing to Israel. We know that. Mm-hmm. And and I was kind of wondering if, if that might might come into play with some kind of uh, intervention with these elections. It, it didn't quite come into play. But but, yeah, he he is really a lot of people say this, Stacey. And I and I think I agree that that I think God picked Donald Trump to be the president of the United States at this particular time. And I'm just basing it. It's just my opinion, just like it is other people's opinion. But, you know, we needed somebody who who it's just like today taking on Jim Acosta. I don't know mm-hmm. if you saw that or not. Oh, I saw it. I mean, this this guy, President Trump, he basically took Jim Acosta to the woodshed. You know, he he you know, he came control. He would not let let Jim Acosta and some of his fellow liberal left wing journalists get away with doing that. And he kept control. And a, and a lot of people say, "Well, he's being mean. He's being mean." Well, you know what? I thought it was kind of awesome. We need we need People like Donald Trump, and hopefully there will be more people, more leaders emerging who um, are like Donald Trump. I agree. I, I, Chad, great way to wrap, wrap up the program. Thank you for the election analysis and for joining us on short notice. Always a pleasure. Um, yes, we'll talk again soon. You enjoy your afternoon, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Stacy. All right, that's the show. Um, you know I'm overtired, but still feeling hopped up. Like what's going on? So. it's irrelevant because the show's over. God bless you from the heartland. Enjoy your evening and I'll be back with you tomorrow. Lord willing. Have a great night. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association. Urban Family Talk. Urban Family Talk.